Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Well, uh, the, the lady who just spoke, she's, she, when she says that America is the land of opportunity, the land of opportunity for whom? We have 20 million black people here who are still relegated to the role of second-class citizens, who are still knocking on the doors of the White House a hundred years since the so-called Emancipation Proclamation, trying to get somebody to pass civil rights and recognize them not as a human being, but as a citizen. And the Muslims are not looking for any white people to accept us or recognize us as citizens. We feel that's putting the uh, uh, cart before the horse. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that until the white man realizes that the black man is a human being, you will never get any civil rights legislation or anything else that uh, will make the, that is uh, designed to make black people recognize her as equals or anything else. So we don't try for citizenship. What we're striving for is human rights. And to, to get these human rights, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad insists upon complete moral reformation among our people. And when that is brought about automatically, our status is elevated. Welcome to another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast. And I am your host, Nora Muhammad. And I'm grateful that you join me in another episode uh, of the podcast. I'm so grateful that you are a returning listener, or maybe you are a first-time listener. And if you are indeed a first-time listener, I would definitely encourage you uh, to go back and listen to previous episodes once you've completed uh, this episode and um, subscribe to the Nora Speaks podcast. Let others know about the podcast and make sure that you leave a rating and a review. But in that introduction, that brief clip that I played, you recognize that voice as none other than Malcolm X himself. And I think that what he said in that clip really sums up uh, in, in such accuracy what's needed. We need our uh, human rights uh, acknowledged and respected uh, before we can uh, ascertain or demand uh, civil rights. Um, but this episode really is not about Malcolm X, although we will be talking about Malcolm. This episode is about us. And the title of this episode is Quit Quoting Malcolm. Now, why would you say that, Nora? Why would you say Quit Quoting Malcolm? We hear people quoting Malcolm X in debates to strengthen their arguments. They quote his words to empower their speech but they don't take the wisdom in his speech to empower their activity or their actions. And I don't think that we do anybody any good if we're going to take the words that he said and feel powerful and not apply the wisdom there to guide our actions, guide our behaviors, guide our activity. And I know that Malcolm X is quoted because he has been used as a symbol representing black power. And Malcolm X is a symbol of black power. But the source of Malcolm's power 
was his teacher, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And what I see and what I hear are folks wanting the symbol but not acknowledging the source. And we have to remember that the symbol is only a representative, but the source is where the true power lies. And I'm so excited to be talking about this. And I really want to take my time because I want to get this just right. Um, You know, this podcast is a platform that I pray is used to share information uh, and uh, not just enlighten, not just empower, um, but to bring to light some issues that we have to uncover some areas where we're neglecting, to uh, encourage us to, to do better and to be better. And so I really want to take my time with this because I think this is a very, very important subject to talk about. You know, Malcolm X is a very recognizable, often quoted, greatly respected figure in black history. And what many of us don't know is uh, a thorough knowledge of Malcolm X's history. And I want to share some of that here. But again, this episode is not about Malcolm X. This is about us. And this is about us taking the words that he uses or the words that he used, um, the words that he said that were so powerful and completely uh, not completely ignoring the fact that Malcolm X was a student of Elijah Muhammad or completely ignoring the fact that when Malcolm spoke, as you heard in that clip, that he quoted the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so it's important, I think, that I go through some history so that we can understand more about Malcolm X and that so that we can give the words that he quotes the proper respect and put it in the context of uh, not just Malcolm, who, as I said, represents black power, but give proper respect to the source of Malcolm's power. Because if we don't respect the source of his power, if we don't respect Malcolm's source, then we're only using his words. We're only using the power in his words to engage in some sort of intellectual masturbation where we're having some stimulating talk, but we have no productivity behind our talk. And I think that's a waste of time. Um, And I think that that misguides, I think we misguide ourselves. I think we misguide our young people into coming up or using the most powerful quotes from the most powerful figures and not applying the wisdom to solve problems. So it's verbal window dressing. It's having a great appearance but not having a function. And when Malcolm spoke, he applied what he said. He was part of a community, part of an organization, and he practiced what he was preaching. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But I do suggest that we stop. We quit quoting Malcolm. 
unless we are going to use the wisdom in his speech to change the reality for ourselves and for our people. All right, so let's talk about Malcolm X. Who was Malcolm? So Malcolm was like many that we know today. Uh, His father was murdered when he was very young. Um, His mother was placed in a mental institution after having a psychiatric, uh, psychotic break, I should say. And Malcolm and his siblings were placed with relatives in, in foster care. At some point in his uh, childhood, Malcolm was sent to juvenile detention. And like many that we know today, Malcolm had to endure racist teachers, uh, racist language, uh, racist behavior in the classroom. So much so that Malcolm was told to lower the expectations that he had for himself um, because when asked what he wanted to be when he grew up, Malcolm said he wanted to be an attorney, a lawyer. But his teacher told him that, you know, since you're black, uh, you should think about becoming a carpenter. Um, And so this, you know, Malcolm had a challenged childhood like Many that we know had a challenged childhood. And as he uh, 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 transitioned into adulthood or young adulthood, um, Malcolm engaged in some unsavory behavior. He was a criminal. He was a con artist. He was a thief, a thief, um, a drug addict, a drug pusher, a gambler. And eventually uh, the law caught up to Malcolm and he was uh, sentenced to federal prison. And it was in federal prison when Malcolm was introduced to the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad by his family. And at that point, his life began to change. In 1952, when Malcolm was released from prison, he attended his first Muslim meeting Um, That's what we call uh, services. We don't, like church services, say they're church services. We call ours a meeting because uh, the the role of these gatherings isn't just for um, us to pontificate, um, but it is for us to learn, to listen, learn, and to plan um, how we can improve the condition of our people. So we call um, our gatherings meetings and not services. So Malcolm X um, joined the Nation of Islam, and he met the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He let go of the last name Little. Uh, He was born Malcolm Little, as many of you know. He let go of the name Little, and he uh, instead went by the name of Malcolm X. So for those who do not understand why Malcolm um, was given an X or why Muslims in the Nation of Islam are referred to Robert X or um, Stephanie X or John X, because the letter or symbol X in mathematics represents that which is unknown, um, we also recognize that we don't know our names, because in our journey here um, as slaves in America, 
we were cut off from our history. And even the slaves who came, um, excuse me, even the, 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 the slave, the mothers who were Africans and became pregnant and bore children, even those mothers couldn't relay their uh, native language, uh, their actual names to their children because either the children were taken from the mothers and in some cases the mother's tongues were literally cut um, and they were not able to communicate their language, their names, their history, their cultures, their norms, their religion. So because we are here in America and we don't know the names of our forefathers, then we take an X, which represents unknown. So that is why Malcolm Little became Malcolm X. Um, And so he became a fantastic minister, like so many ministers in the Nation of Islam. Um, And I know for many people who are not members of the Nation of Islam, you may not know that there were incredible ministers, many, many incredible ministers, just like Malcolm X in the Nation of Islam, Um, But you may not know their names. Now, certainly, you know the name of Minister Louis Farrakhan, as he represents today um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. But there are so many amazing ministers all over the country. And as Malcolm X was a uh, rock star in Harlem, um, and he became a star nationally, other ministers were also stars, just like Malcolm X. Um, and so as I hear the history from those um, brothers and sisters who were in the Nation of Islam with Malcolm X, I mean, there are ministers that they talk about um, that some believe had speech and impact um, as much as or even greater than Minister Louis Farrakhan in their ability to move people. So for those who are not in the Nation of Islam, you may not have known the names of uh, Jeremiah Shabazz or um, uh, 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 Minister Woodrow, uh, Minister George, um, uh, great brothers who were representatives of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, similar to Malcolm X. Um, But yeah, Malcolm X became a a wonderful minister uh, representing the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And as you heard there in that opening, and as you hear... Uh, when you watch YouTube videos of Malcolm X in the 50s and early 60s, he quotes, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says this, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that, because it was the wisdom of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It was the program of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It was the platform, the training. Malcolm X would listen and learn from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It was like somebody pressing record and absorbing the wisdom, and then they go in front of the people and they press play. Malcolm X was not representing his own thoughts. Um, Malcolm X, in fact, uh, expressed his own thoughts and his own wisdom when he was um, in the streets, and his own wisdom landed him in trouble. But then once he recognized that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had a platform, a position, and a wisdom that was beneficial, then he became a student like so many of us and began applying 
the teachings and the wisdom to his life and things changed overnight. Um, and so the experience that he has has had and the ex- is the same experience that many others have had. Um, and so that's why when you hear him saying the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us this, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that, it was Malcolm X not taking credit for wisdom that wasn't his. Um, he wasn't spouting his own wisdom. He was spouting the wisdom of a very, very wise teacher. Um, I saw a picture once, and it said, um, it, re- it was a picture of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and it said, Mentor to Malcolm X. And, you know, I'm grateful that people are uh, recognizing the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as somebody who's impacted history, um, and, and, and that's, that's great. But I think the term mentor is certainly too little a term to be applied to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who took somebody like Malcolm X, a convict, uh, a drug addict, a, a, a drug pusher, uh, a gambler, a thief, and other people who had issues like pimps and prostitutes and, um, you know, there was a time in there. And I mean, the, the conditions exist today, you know, where we just find ourselves in very, very awful, deplorable conditions. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad reformed people who had very, very unsavory lifestyles. Malcolm X is just one example. He's probably the most famous example because he is the example that is that is promoted the most. Um, but what you see, um, as I'm stating, what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did from Malcolm, he did that for hundreds of thousands of people. Malcolm X is just one example of that. Um, and so... Malcolm X was a representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, like Minister Louis Farrakhan is today, like Minister Woodrow was, like Minister Jeremiah Shabazz was, um, like Minister John Muhammad was out on the on the, the West Coast. You know, there are so many great ministers. Um, and when they spoke, they spoke in representation of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because they recognized that he was the source of the wisdom. And they didn't take credit for it. Well, that's one of the reasons why uh, most people think that Mr. Muhammad teaches hate. But if there is a rattlesnake in the field who has been biting your brothers and your sisters and you go and tell them that that's a rattlesnake and all of the harm that has ever come to them has come to them from that particular particular source, well then that rattler will think that uh, the warner is teaching hate. He'll go back and tell the other snakes that this man is teaching hate, this man is teaching hate, but it's not hate. It's just that uh, when you study people who have been harmed and discover the source of their injury, the source of all of their defects, and you begin to point out that source, it's not that you hate the source, but your love for your people is so intense, so in, so great, that uh, you must let them know what is wrong with them, what is the cause of their ills. And uh, this is one of the basic factors, I believe, involved when people think, or when the propaganda is put out, that Mr. Muhammad teaches hate. He teaches black people to love each other. And our love for each other is so strong, mm-hmm. we don't have any room left in our heart. So you heard there in the clip 
um, where Malcolm X was defending the Honorable Elijah Muhammad for being a, a called a hate teacher. Um, and it, it's, it's convenient for somebody who is guilty of uh, hurtful actions against another to point the finger to the one who exposes their guilt it's it's easy for them to point the finger and say, well, that person's being hateful. No, that person isn't being hateful. That person is identifying you. Um, and it's hard for people to swallow that. It's hard for people to take that, especially if they're interested and continue to hurt people, exploit people, take advantage of people, or oppress people. So it's not that uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was a hate teacher. He was just a truth teller. But so... Now we're going to get into some 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 things where uh, things turn in the history of Malcolm X and where things get tricky uh, for those who don't really know the history and don't understand um, the nation of Islam and don't understand uh, uh, who and what we are and the protocols and our belief system. So folks like to say that they know Malcolm X or they are an expert on Malcolm. And I wish we would stop quoting Malcolm X or stop pretending to be experts on Malcolm X. If you have not walked his walk, if you have not studied what he studied, um, if you have not processed as he's processed, then how can you say that you're an expert on Malcolm X? It, it's like somebody... Uh, needing their car repaired. And so who would you determine is the expert in car repair? The person who is a practiced mechanic or the person who read about practiced mechanics? We can't cheapen others by claiming to be an expert if you did not uh, uh, take, the, take the same walk, if you didn't take the same course of study. And we throw these things around and we really have to examine um, our language and we have to, to, to be more, to be less intellectually lazy. We just throw these things out there and many of us don't even know that that begs a question. How can you be an expert and you never repaired a car? You only read about car repairmen or you only read about mechanics. You were never on a football field, but you want to tell me that you're an expert in football, but you've never ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, uh, prevented a touchdown. You've never called a play. You've never sacked a quarterback. But you want to tell me that you're an expert in football. I, 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 I beg to differ. It's just not the case. And so we have to be wise and we have to listen uh, closely and acutely to what people are saying to us. And I say that because there's so many forms where people are speaking out as if they're experts as if they have knowledge or as if they're leaders, but they have no application. All they have are delicious quotes that they're spewing and they haven't built anything with any of the words that they've read, that they've heard, or that they're saying. So we can't cheapen Malcolm X's life experience by claiming to be an expert and we haven't studied walked or experienced uh, what he's experienced. But I do want to continue in the history because this is important for those who uh, 
don't uh, know. I don't want to say the inside. Well, maybe maybe the inside is 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 an appropriate word to use. Who don't know the internal protocols of the Nation of Islam? We are a very structured and ordered uh, organization. There are protocols in place, and um, we believe in black leadership. We believe in supporting black leadership. Um, and we believe in the hierarchy of leadership, just like in any other organization. There's a hierarchy, there's a protocol, um, there's an organizational chart. And so the same exists in the nation of Islam. And so the ministers uh, receive their instructions at that time in the, in the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, uh, the 70s. They received instructions from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who is and was the leader of the nation of Islam. And on November 22nd, 1963, when John Kennedy, President Kennedy, was assassinated, there was a dictate, there was an instruction that no ministers would say anything about the assassination of the president. No one should say anything. And when the reporters came and asked Malcolm X what he thought about the assassination of President Kennedy, well, you all know what happened. Malcolm X said, it's a case of the chickens coming home to roost. Um, so we can talk about uh, the words that he said um, and debate them all day, but that's really irrelevant to the point that there were clear instructions that nothing should be said. And Malcolm did not speak on behalf of the Nation of Islam. I mean, the country was in mourning. Um, people loved President Kennedy, white and black alike. And that was a very insensitive thing to say at a time when an entire nation is mourning. Um, you know, this man was a father. He was a husband. And he's the leader of this nation. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us not to make mockery of people. Um, he teaches us not to do harm to people um, and certainly not to say anything that is harmful. And so Malcolm spoke after all of the ministers. And remember, the, you know, Elijah Muhammad had ministers all across the country. Malcolm was just one of many. And um, so, as in any organization, when an employee or when a figure commits an infraction, I mean, if even if you're on like a board of directors or something like that, you know, your company, your organization has a code of conduct, has rules. And when those rules are violated, well, there's consequences. And so in this case, um, Malcolm was sat down uh, for 90 days. And then things went downhill from there. And in March of 1964, now remember, Kennedy was assassinated in November of 1963, and in March of 1964, the New York Times reported that Malcolm splits with Muhammad. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because people talk about the real issue is that uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad became jealous of Malcolm X. Um, but that's like saying the sun is jealous of the moon. The moon 
in case, you know, you don't know, the moon gets its light from the sun. The sun does not get its light from the moon. The sun is the source. And so the sun produces its own light and gives light and life to others. And so the moon is reflecting the light of the sun, and only when there's a barrier in between, the moon doesn't get any light. It is dark. So for some to say that Malcolm, or excuse me, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad became jealous of Malcolm X, that's um, probably an immature, um, an uninformed thing to say. Uh, you know, it, it's... And and it and, and that kind of thing is is promoted because it's convenient for um, it's convenient for black people to fight amongst themselves. Those who those who are disinterested uh, in the rise of black people socially, morally, economically, spiritually, and socially. As I said, socially. Um, those who are disinterested in the rise of black people, well, they know that we have been programmed to uh, be hateful and jealous and envious of one another. I'm sure many of you who are listening know about the Willie Lynch letter, wherein Willie Lynch, um, who was a Caucasian uh, slave master, he explained to his Caucasian uh, brother slave owners that you shouldn't kill your slaves to keep them in order. What you should do is you should create division. You you divide the tall from the short. You divide the darker one from the lighter one. You divide the male from the female. You divide the older from the younger. You keep them div divided and at odds with each other. And as long as they're divided and at odds with each other, there's no chance of them uh, working together in unity. And operating against us. And as long as we have them operating against each other, then we'll ma maintain control of them. So that divide and conquer tactic has and always uh, will be successful if we don't uh, get past our envy, jealousy, and hatred of each other. And even our uh, ability to be persuaded to such thinking or to such suspicion, I should say. You know, if if someone is planting a seed that somebody's jealous of you, somebody's envious of you, and maybe you and that person are working together fine, now that somebody's planted the seed and, and is constantly watering it, then all of a sudden you might think, is so-and-so jealous of me? I think so-and-so's jealous. Oh, that's why they said that. That's why they did that. And then we create this whole narrative in our minds that, that is based on something that's not even real, except for a suggestion. So that divide and conquer, that trick, that tactic, has and will continue to work on us um, if we allow others to um, involve themselves in our internal workings instead of keeping our internal workings internal. Um, when we let others or outsiders in, this is the kind of things that happen. So that's convenient for them to promote that to us who weren't there, who don't know these, uh, the relationship of these two men. And looking from the outside, oh, yeah, that, that, that man is jealous of Malcolm because he's such a star. And like I want to remind you, there were many, many ministers who were stars. Malcolm was just one of many. Um, 
And I'm go- I would encourage you to attend a, a Muslim meeting so that you can become more acquainted and become more aware um, and even go and ask questions and ask about uh, ministers who worked in that city before because, and, and this isn't because I want you to go to the mosque or go to the temple and become a Muslim, but it's so that you can get information. You know, you're not going to learn this in your history book in high school or college. Um, there's a reason why this history is omitted from schools. So I would invite you to just go to the source. That's the most reasonable way for us to get information is to go straight to the source Uh, because you don't have to take my word for it about how great um, these ministers were and how they impacted their own communities. You don't have to take my word for it. There are others who can bear witness to this, who I have no relationship with. Um, But let's move on. So, so like I said, um, you know, Malcolm became an exceptional man an exceptional minister, by putting into practice what he learned from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He was not the possessor of that wisdom prior to meeting the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Um, And as you heard, and if you uh, Google or, 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 or search YouTube for other audio clips of Malcolm X, you will hear him and other ministers um, saying the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says this, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches that. Um, But when you and I talk about Malcolm X as if he was uh, somebody who was independent and had his own independent wisdom, then we're doing a disservice to his teacher. We're doing a service to Malcolm X and what he said And we're also doing a disservice to ourselves. And the Bible teaches us in Proverbs um, 3.27 that we should give credit where credit is due. The Bible says, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. So regardless of whether we like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, regardless of whether we like Muslims or we like the Nation of Islam, we have to recognize that it was Malcolm X's introduction to to Elijah Muhammad, the program, the teachings, the training. That is what made Malcolm shine so, so, so bright. That is what uh, illuminated this man. It was those teachings from that man. So, you know... When we talk about Malcolm X and, you know, he, you know, there's a time when the American government hated Malcolm X, when the uh, American government wanted to put down Malcolm X. I mean, there's a time when, when you know, even in, in, in the press, Malcolm X was lambasted. He wasn't, you know, the press, the media was not a fan of Malcolm X. They disliked Malcolm X as much as they disliked Elijah Muhammad, as much as they disliked Minister Farrakhan today. They did not like, they did not like Malcolm X. But the Malcolm X that has been packaged and, and, and thrown in our faces in 2018 is a Malcolm X that has been whitewashed, is a Malcolm X that has been packaged to be... Uh, to to placate the sensibilities 
of um, of people who want to neutralize the revolutionary thought in the black mind. And so they talk to us about Malcolm X going to the East in 1964, going to Mecca and seeing Muslims who had white skin and, and blue eyes as if this was new knowledge. But again, the reason why I say you don't know Malcolm X if you have not uh, been where he's been, if you have not studied what he's studied. What those who are not in the nation of Islam don't know is that part of our, let's say, introductory teaching in the nation of Islam is about the population on the planet Earth. It's about the, the racial uh, makeup of the population on the planet Earth, where um, populations live on the planet Earth. So we already knew that there were white Muslims. We already knew that there were Caucasian people who who identified themselves as um, practicing Islam. So that was not new knowledge. And in fact, what many of you may not know is that Malcolm did not visit the East for the first time after uh, being um, put out of the nation of Islam. Malcolm went to the East as an ambassador for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in 1959. In 1959, Malcolm X went to Sudan, Nigeria, uh, the United Arab Republic, Egypt, Ghana, Iran. So this isn't something that we hear about often or ever, that Malcolm went to the East as an ambassador for Elijah Muhammad and saw, quote, light-skinned uh, light Muslims. This wasn't new knowledge, but they tell us this as as if Malcolm had an epiphany and all of a sudden, oh, there are white Muslims. So so this isn't necessarily a, a white and black issue. This is just a humani uh, issue of humanity. Um, because remember, like I said, they want to neutralize the revolutionary thought in the black mind. And so by telling us and promoting to us that Malcolm had a moral reformation uh, while visiting the East, when he realized for the first time that there are white Muslims, is 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 simply incorrect. It is inaccurate and it is not factual. And again, you don't have to take this uh, take this from me just because I'm saying it. Although I'm telling you the truth, if you go and uh, you know visit the the Mus a Muslim mosque in your area. You can ask, how, what do you learn when you join the Nation of Islam? Do you learn about the population of the planet? Do you, or the people on the planet, do you learn about where pop, where people live, where the populations live, about who practices what religion? This is not new knowledge. The children who attend the private school at the University of Islam, they know this. And, uh, and anybody who has studied in the Nation of Islam knew this. My point is to say that was not new knowledge, but it is something that is given to us, packaged by uh, people who promote propaganda uh, to suggest that Malcolm became enlightened once he left the Nation of Islam. Um, and I want to tell you the truth so that when we're having conversations, we can do it intelligently. So that when we're talking about Malcolm X, then you know what you're talking about. Um, so we don't mislead people. And so we don't uh, alienate. Um, you, I don't want you to alienate your Muslim brother because 
of what the media tells you about him and tells you about your Muslim brother and your Muslim sister. So again, we can't claim to be experts without the equal knowledge. Um, and so I'm grateful that, you know, you're listening and that, you know, as you're listening, I hope that you're learning. You know, um, Malcolm X was in the Nation of Islam for 11 years. Um, and once he was put out of the Nation of Islam, he was out for about a year uh, before he was uh, assassinated. And I know that there is propaganda that tells you that... Um, Malcolm left the nation because he learned about some um, insidious scandal. Um, they don't tell you that he broke protocol. They don't tell you that he um, acted out of turn. They don't tell you that he was sat down for 90 days, as is the protocol in the Nation of Islam. Um, and so once Malcolm was dismissed, for his behavior, because um, again, like I said, initially he was just sat down, you know, and you know, if you make a mistake and, and in, in, in an organization, if we make mistakes, then, you know, you know, you do what you gotta do, you do your time and, you know, maybe you're put back on probation, you know, those who have had issues at work or who have had issues in organizations that you're in, um, there's there's bylaws, there are rules. And, and in this case, Malcolm broke a rule and, uh, you know, um, we don't tolerate slack talk, uh, gossip, and, and rumor. We don't tolerate that because that's disruptive. Uh, civilized people don't engage in those kinds of behaviors. So many will talk about, you know, what Malcolm was saying about Elijah Muhammad after he left the Nation of Islam as his reason for why he left, not because he broke protocol. So I'm going to let you listen to something that you probably don't know. The media didn't tell you this, that in fact, Malcolm X recorded an apology to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad for his behavior after leaving, after being put out. They don't tell you that he apologized and he asked for forgiveness because he recognized that he was wrong. You don't apologize unless you know that you're wrong. So I'll let you listen to the clip yourself. Dear Holy Apostle, As-salamu alaykum. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, to whom all praise is due, whom we forever thank for giving us the most honorable and humble Elijah Muhammad as our divine leader, teacher, and guide. I want to uh, put what I'm going to say to you on this tape for two purposes. Number one, I want to really apologize to you for having let you down for the mistakes that I've made, especially during the past year. I want to confess my fault, confess my wrong. I want to confess my weaknesses. I want you to know that thanks to Allah and you, I'm able to see myself better now. I'm able to see my weaknesses better now and my shortcomings better now. I do believe that in seeing them better, it, it may be possible for me to overcome them and become a better person. At least I am praying to Allah that this is the case. And above all else, I am praying to Allah to put mercy and forgiveness in your heart. And if you weren't merciful nor forgiving toward me, I could well understand it. I've always known that Master W.D. Farad is Allah. I believe, I believe that Master W.D. Farad is Allah 
and I believe that you are his messenger. I believe that your program is right, and I believe that your teachings are right, and that it was my belief in this that made me as successful as I was, especially it was my firm belief in this that enabled me to stand up in the face of all opposition on television, on radio, before colleges, and before people out in the street at mass rallies, and support your program and present your program and represent your program. So there you have it. That is uh, Malcolm X apologizing to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad for his actions, for his behaviors, confessing his own faults. Um, and, you know, saying that it was because of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and what he learned and him having the faith and the belief in what he taught that compelled him and made it possible for him to stand the way he stood. Again, even after, I don't know, what did they say? Splitting with Muhammad. Here he is after slandering the man, apologizing to him. Um, and, and, and I know that, you know, there's rumor that Malcolm X was killed by members in the Nation of Islam. And so I guess I have to talk about that. One, the Nation of Islam did not kill Malcolm X. Um, you know, we have the greatest, um, uh, the, the greatest uh, spy capacity in America. Um, the CIA is, does an outstanding job listening in, spying covertly and overtly on people in groups that they find subversive or suspicious uh, or questionable. And just like they spied on Dr. King, they spied on Elijah Muhammad, Louis Farrakhan, Malcolm X, me. Um, if you are uh, are engaging in activity that is resurrecting the thoughts and actions of black people, more than likely uh, you've been uh, tuned into, if you will, by the federal government. But, you know, if you commit no crime um, and you do no wrong, then there's nothing that you should worry about. So we know that the FBI uh, was uh, looking for the rise of the Black Messiah, and this is their language. They were looking to stop the rise of the Black Messiah. So they were definitely interested in what was happening in the Nation of Islam. They were caught having wiretapped Elijah Muhammad, um, and they wiretapped others. Like I said, um, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers. Uh, so that is not new. And the reason why I bring that up is because certainly if they had the, um, if they had the proof, if they had the evidence that the Nation of Islam uh, conspired and killed Malcolm X, they would certainly produce it. Um, even the allegations that Malcolm made against the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, like I said, they uh, were busted wiretapping and spying on the man. So again, if he was some, some uh, um, uh, wrongdoing, fraudulent man, why wouldn't they produce the evidence? So there is no evidence linking uh, the Nation of Islam to the assassination of Martin Luther, excuse me, of Malcolm X. Um, 
And even, you know, Malcolm in that year after being out of the Nation of Islam did receive death threats. He was under the threat uh, of, of death. But he himself told Alex Haley, and I, and I quote, the more I keep thinking about this thing, the things that have been happening lately, I'm not, sh I'm not at all sure it's the Muslims. I know what they can do and what they can't. And they can't do some of the stuff recently going on. The more I keep thinking about what happened to me in France, I think I'm going to quit saying it's the Muslims. And even Malcolm X's daughter, Oyasa Shabazz, in a recorded interview, and, I, and I'm going to link to this interview in the show notes so you can view it for yourself. But, but you know, sister even said that her father felt like and believed that he was being watched and followed by the CIA when he was in, in Mecca, not the Nation of Islam. And she said herself that Malcolm was a threat because he had gained the support of 33 heads of state, excuse me, 33 heads of states in Africa, African uh, heads of state. And Malcolm was working with them to bring light to human rights violations uh, to the Supreme Court of the United Nations. So she believes that this is why Malcolm X was a threat to the United States uh, in that time. And, you know, him feeling like believing that he was being followed by the CIA. You know, he was working with, you know, these African leaders to uncover human rights violations and, and, and crimes that were being committed. Um, and so he was a threat because of his activities. But, uh, you know, what better way to wedge our people from the Nation of Islam or the Honor Elijah Muhammad by saying that this beloved figure in the black community was assassinated by members of the Nation of Islam. And I will say, and this you can Google for yourself, of the three men that were convicted of the assassination of Martin Luther King, or I keep saying Martin Luther King, of Malcolm X, only one claimed to actually being involved and said that the others were innocent and they were not members of the nation of Islam. So, you know, I want to say, don't believe the hype. Um, consider the source of a lot of this information um, and consider why uh, the propaganda lends us towards staying divided from each other, you know? And and I've been, I've been present. I'm, I've met Sister Ilyasa. In fact, I, I have her book. She signed it. She took a picture with me. She's a beautiful sister. She's certainly uh, an intellect. And, you know, when I met her and spoke with her, she certainly didn't seem to have any suspicion or hostility to me. And I'm certainly identifiable as a member of the Nation of Islam. Um, and, and, and I think that we have to, we have to be intelligent and we have to remember, you know, the tactics that people employ you know, overtly or covertly, um, the the words that are dropped, the names that are dropped, the language that is used to create suspicion and division amongst our people. You know, and you know, remember before Malcolm received received the teachings and studied the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he was you know he was a menace to society. You know, and then once he you know got this wisdom, he 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 not only was able to change his life by implementing the wisdom, but by sharing with others, he changed 
the lives of others and he changed the conditions. And remember, you know, I'm telling this episode again, isn't about Malcolm X, but I had to share the history so that you could understand why, unless we are using the wisdom that Malcolm spoke to stop quoting him, stop cheapening this man, quit quoting Malcolm. If you're not going to apply the wisdom to move things, to organize. Remember, Malcolm was not an individual. He was a part of a organization of people who sacrificed, depended on each other. Um, they built together. They practiced what they were preaching. You know, a lot of us, we just want theory. Malcolm X gave the theory and, and, and the activity, which was the evidence of the, the truth of the theory. So, you know, Instead of trying to sound intelligent and empowering our words, take the words of the brother and use them to be inspired to action, to be inspired to organizing, to be inspired to work. Let's stop being talkers. Quit quoting Malcolm if you're not going to do the work that Malcolm did. He had evidence behind his words. He had the evidence of action in his words. My question is, do you? When you tell me that, uh, uh, that there are $20 uh, billion, yes, it is in the hands of many Negroes, but the upper class or middle class Negro, there's no such thing as upper class Negro, who has the control of this wealth, instead of using it like the white man has done to establish businesses and factories and industries, for his kind, the black people who have this wealth spend that wealth imitating the white man rather than establishing businesses and factories factories and other type industry. You have immigrants in this country, right here in Philadelphia, who haven't been here 50 years and have come and who came here poor. Yet they have gone downtown here in Philadelphia and set up stores with their names on them. And when their children come out of school, their children have jobs in which to work. They have set up factories with their name on them. They, and when, and uh, their children have jobs when they come out. Now, Negro, you and I, our forefathers, have been here 400 years. We have been up from so-called slavery since the emancipation, 100 years. And, and, uh, and, and as the uh, New York Times brought out, we control $20 billion a year, and yet you can't point in any direction and look at factories that are being set up by these wealthy Negroes. All they're doing is taking that money and, and forcing the white man to sell him a house uh, in, in, in the white neighborhood to try and imitate the uh, social life of the white man. They're trying to uh, escape from being a Negro. They're trying to escape from being black. They're trying to escape from what they were born as. And they're using what uh, they do have instead of to uplift their people, to, to force themselves upon white people and live among white people. I disagree with you on two instances. And on that integrated First, lunch counters that you pointed out as a step forward, you should be ashamed of yourself because anytime you have 20 million black people in this country who contributed 310 years of slave labor to make the uh, economic system of America as strong as it is, to think that the black masses whose ancestors made this contribution of sweat and blood, even in war, to make America what it is, do you think that they would be satisfied today just to sit down at a restaurant with a, with a, with a Mississippi white man or, a, or an Alabama white man as a just compensation for these 310 years of, of, of slave labor? Why, it's insane. So I want to thank you for listening. I really hope that I made my point and I hope that the words of Malcolm X himself illustrates my point of why it is so important that we don't just use 
the profoundness in his statements to elevate our speech and elevate our egos and self-importance. But we use the words and we use the power in his words to amplify our efforts, to amplify our efforts at organizing, at building, at working together, sacrificing, organizing and having activities with those who think like us, those who recognize that we have needs, those who acknowledge that we don't have to stand and plead and beg and degrade ourselves for entrance into a society that has not acknowledged our civil rights, let alone human rights, but that because we have the dignity of being black, because we have the divineness of being black, because we have the power in our unity that instead of begging for entrance and acceptance in a society that doesn't honor us, that we can create our own society. And so that is what Malcolm X was enjoining with the brothers and sisters in the nation of Islam. He wasn't just quoting eloquent speech. He wasn't just uh, parroting the words of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad so that it could be a feel-good moment for him. He was parroting the words of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad so that he could inspire others as he had been inspired by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad to use the, the, the power in the words to motivate us into actions, group operations, and activity. Um, so let's not quote Malcolm without doing the work. Let's not inflate ourselves. Let's get busy, roll up our sleeves, and do the work. If Malcolm inspires us to speak, let us also be inspired to act. I want to thank you for listening to episode 50 of the Nora Speaks podcast. And until next time, stay in peace. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at norazahira.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Muhammad and on Instagram at norz 20 I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends, and be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.